This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. I think I've got really good news to lead the show. You know that deadbeat cousin you have, around 33 years old, lived in your aunt's basement for his whole life, never had dirt under the fingernails, just Cheeto dust, basically, and you think that kid is never getting a job. Well, he's 33. You think that guy's never getting a job. I'm here to tell you he qualifies to work on the NCAA's enforcement staff today. If he's drawing breath, I don't care how useless you think he is. I don't care if he doesn't have a talented bone in his body. If he is <gasps> inhale, exhale. Those are the two requirements. You're qualified to work at the NCAA. We are jam-packed, high atop a charged downtown Nashville, Tennessee. An eligible downtown Nashville, Tennessee. We have that in common as of about 1 o'clock this afternoon with Devontae Walker at North Carolina. Remember that whole dust-up we had on this show and every, elsewhere in August? We, we had the kid, North Carolina, and should be their number one receiver. He's ineligible because he transferred twice, even though he's only played at one school. NCAA just reversed course today. Why? I don't know. Just, just Thursday. Oh, I think we know why, friends. We'll talk about it tonight. We've got upset alerts. Got four of them I need to pay your attention to. I've got a schedule drop out of the Big Ten, seemingly out of nowhere. I wasn't waiting for it, at least. All that, plus our good, close, personal friend, Cole Kublik, is going to join the show. This, this A&M-Bama game deserves a second look. Is Georgia actually on upset alert this week? Who has the best job in college football? All things considered, who has the best situation? They're watching us in Chula Vista, California. Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada tuned in. Hector, Arkansas. And, yes, friends, Cut and Shoot, Texas is happily tuned in tonight. I am headed to the great state of Texas about 24 hours from now. OU Texas, Saturday. Oh, I'm looking forward to it. Make sure you're following on Instagram, at Lake Kick Josh. First off, you got to be watching there and only there for Friday Night Lines, live from Dallas tomorrow night. And Saturday, all the behind-the-scenes Red River Shootout and Texas State Fair content you could possibly want will be right there in the Instagram story. We got a loaded show tonight. It's Thursday. We take no off nights around here. Let's get into it. I have in my hand one, two, three, four games that we at least have on the upset alert meter this Saturday. Now, a number of other games we've already gone over. They're broken down. They're on the channel. You can find them. But we have not talked a second about Maryland, Ohio State. Ohio State's favored by 19 and a half in this game. It's a noon Eastern time kick. It's, it's big noon kickoff. And we salute, even though we don't work for that network. We love Big Noon Kickoff for reasons I've mentioned in the past. This is a 6.75 on the upset alert meter for me. I have mild concerns for Ohio State. Now, they're rested, so we got that going for us if we're the Buckeyes. 
Maryland is one of those teams, and we still have a few of them out there, that if people are being honest with you, they just haven't watched. You people have not watched a Maryland game. I know you guys. I know you haven't, unless you're a Maryland fan. Like, our close, good personal friend, Tani, residing in the northeastern corridor of the United States now. He will hear this and text me later. I know he's watched the Terps, but it's Scott Van Pelt. He's probably watched the Terps, but outside of that, you people had not watched Maryland. What do I mean by you people? Me! I hadn't watched a Maryland game in totality either, so I'm right there with you. But Jesse has, because Jesse has nothing else to do. And so, from the mouth of Jesse to my pen to this piece of paper, Maryland has won every Power 5 game by 20-plus points. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's Virginia, it's Charlotte, but still, they count. Uh, Talia Tungavailoa, last year in this game against Ohio State, it was close. 43-30, game was in doubt all the way through. 293 yards and two touchdowns. We believe in this building, Maryland would be favored to win the Big Ten West if they just switched sides today. They're in the East. Therefore, even though it's the last year of division play, it still is division play. They're buried under Michigan and Ohio State and Penn State. So no one's paying attention to them. They're plus nine turnovers. They've held seven straight opponents under 20. Yet you heard me right. I didn't tell you how much Maryland has scored. I'm telling you, they're holding teams under 20. Let's just be careful here. Got bigger fish to fry down the road if we're Ohio State, but let's be careful here. Um, I shouldn't talk about this game because I was at it last year and it was a bloodbath, but I'm going to talk about it anyway. Kansas State is going to Oklahoma State Friday night, 7.30 Eastern on ESPN. This right here has a current line of 10.5. Kansas State, 10.5 point favorite. Listen to me. Listen close, because I'm not sure how much I believe what I'm about to say, but I'm going to sound convinced. Alan Bowman's figured some things out at quarterback. Uh, Mike Gundy has never sounded less confident in endorsing a starting quarterback in his life as he sounds when he's talking about Alan Bowman, but Alan Bowman is our guy for the time being. He threw for 278 against Iowa State. That is better than his first three games combined. What does that mean? He's surging. At the right time. I was at this game last year, in case you've forgotten, and trust me, I've tried to. 48 to nothing. It was um, probably the birth of the Sarah McLaughlin special. It's really where we first coined the phrase. I have to just have blind faith sometimes when you're trying to see around the corner in college football and think about where an upset may be coming. You just have to have blind faith that eventually breaks are going to randomly go some team's way. And there's also this little trinket slash tidbit of information. Kansas State is way, way down there in the Big 12 right now, statistically, in pass defense. So I don't care if he has to blindfold himself and just chuck it up like Chad Kelly against Bama all those years ago. Just dink it, doink it, bounce it, do whatever you got to do. Just find the hands of a few receivers here. And certainly that's not something you drop on a grease board. But I have a sneaking suspicion that Oklahoma State's going to hang around in this game. I am putting a 7.25 out of 10 on the upset alert meter here. More on this game later. We mentioned Notre Dame and Louisville the other night. We broke it down. It's got its own individual video on the channel. But Notre Dame Twitter went full clown mode today. Not all of you, but a select few of you. Sometimes, and this is going to surprise you, Sometimes on social media, people do not listen to what is said and instead react to what they think was said. 
Yes, I'm afraid it happens. And so the other night, I said, and I'll say it again because I'm right, there are some people out there, not Notre Dame fans, should have specified this, I guess, I got to spell it all out, not Notre Dame fans, there are some national college football fans that'll pick this game and they'll pick Notre Dame and they'll say, Notre Dame, I think, has got a quarterback advantage because they know Sam Hartman. They know the name Sam Hartman. But if you asked a lot of those folks, who's Louisville's quarterback? They wouldn't even be able to tell you who Jack Plummer is. My point there was not that Louisville has the edge at quarterback. They don't. My point there was not, well, Notre Dame has no clue who Jack Plummer is. They played him twice at different universities. Yes, they know him. I never said they didn't. What I said was, there is a swath of the college football public that probably believes in Notre Dame blindly at quarterback, not even knowing who the dude pulling the trigger for Louisville is. That's the point, the whole point, and nothing but the point. I think the situationals matter here. That's why it's an upset alert game. We actually picked Louisville to win this game. Jeff Brom's got his shot at Louisville. Now, got his shot, national TV, Saturday night, 7.30 ABC. He's got his shot to take down Notre Dame. Ohio State game, down to the wire. Duke game, down to the wire. This thing right here on the road, primetime, Super Bowl spot, Louisville on extended rest. And then after all this, they get to play USC next week. This is a tough stretch for Notre Dame. And so I think it's a 9.5 on the upset alert meter because I slightly lean towards the upset happening. There is, of course, another school of thought, and that is Notre Dame will run the ball about 70 times Saturday night and bleed clock and win convincingly. Yeah, there's a world where that happens. It's just not the one I'm picking. Also, don't go to bed. Don't go to bed until you've checked out Arizona USC Saturday night, 10.30 Eastern time, ESPN, at Colorado last week. Game ended up being close. On the road against Notre Dame next week, that's when the real difficulty starts. But here's the problem, potentially. Everybody keeps saying that. Everybody keeps saying USC's schedule really ramps up next week, and it does, but if you're Arizona and you hear that, Well, that's disrespectful, and we all know how much we traffic in valuing disrespect on this show. That's sarcasm, but it may be real in a one-off scenario. Also, USC just totally raided Arizona's roster for talent in the portal this past year. And so, yeah, Arizona last week played Washington. It was off everyone's radar except ours because we took Arizona on the Ramen Noodle Express. You know what they did with their backup quarterback? They hung within seven of Washington. And I think they may go to L.A. and may hang with USC. When you don't have a defense that can slam the door, you leave open the possibility of anything happening. You could win this thing 56-20, to 20, or it could be 44-41 to 41 late in the fourth quarter. All of the above could happen. Also, uh, Dane Miller had a great number. Out of, out of the past 16 games in this matchup, USC-Arizona, past 16 games, 13 Of the past 16 have come down to one possession. They've been one possession games. That's crazy. So I'm going to put... Oh, my paper slid away. Uh, It's a six on the upset alert scale. Six. I think I'm more in cover mode than upset mode there. But nonetheless, those are some games to keep an eye on. I did get really good news from the PateStateMaterial.com warehouse. In fact, it's on my home screen right now. Colin, you'll love this. The Cotton Bowl t-shirt is now our number one selling shirt of all time. What does that mean? Well, if you're looking on your screen right now, you know what it means. We, we go on a tour once a week uh, this Saturday. The Once Upon a Saturday tour is headed to the Cotton Bowl for OU versus Texas. We put out a commemorative shirt 
for that week and that week only every week. And then once it's done, once that week is over, it is gone. And we've kind of created ourselves a little collector's market here. I got close personal friends and family that can't get their hands on these shirts once they're gone because they're not available. I don't think I can get my hands on them now that I think about it. So snatch them up while you can. We got supply. Now, remember last year we were short on supply. We've got supply, but it doesn't matter. I'm, I'm not keeping these in the store once the week's over. Beautiful shirt. Love it. I go to games now. I see the shirts there on the front row, which means you guys are ordering it Monday morning first thing, and I appreciate that. PateStateMaterial.com, that's where you can get that. Let's move on because we have got a loaded show. I committed an egregious foul against our audience last week. Somehow, and I'm pretty sure it's Jesse, it's not me, because this is blame and I just want the credit, but somehow we just didn't even talk about Texas A&M Arkansas. Pre or post, we just didn't talk about it. And we were teetering on creating that same offense for LSU Missouri. But no, uh-uh, we're not going to do that. So going to take a couple of minutes here, and I've got several more things. I got, I got a loaded take, if you want to call it that, on Tez Walker. And we got a Big Ten schedule release out of the blue today. I got a lot of stuff before we get Cole Kublik in here, so hang tight. LSU plays Missouri this Saturday. I think you guys may know that. It's a noon Eastern time kick, 11 local. It's on ESPN. Let's just hold on for a second. Let's just pump the brakes, put your flashers on, parallel park it over here. LSU season is not over. They've got one SEC loss. Their season's not over. And let me tell you something else. If LSU, as unlikely as this seems right now, were to win out, they'd have a good shot at making the playoff because that would include a trip to Atlanta after they've beaten. A&M after they beat Alabama, after they've won the SEC championship, they'd probably be in the playoff. LSU's playoff hopes are not over. They're not done. That, it's not true when people tell you that. They're probably just banking on the fact that LSU's not done losing. Because if this were it, they'd still have a chance to surge late. However, point two, Missouri is 5-0. and And yet they're still a four-and-a-half-point dog at home against a two-loss team. Now, I'm smiling because I know why that is. But I have friends, close personal acquaintances, and just random folks in the DMs. But if you watch this show, you're not random. You're close to our heart who really believe you are what your record says you are. And they believe even in the odds making and power rating community, two lost teams should always be behind undefeated teams. But in the, in the odds making community, they don't care what your record is because they have to make money. So therefore, they have to put an accurate number out there to at least come close to splitting the market's action. And on this particular game, you got home field and undefeated as a four and a half point dog against two loss on the road. That's how college football works. That's how odds making works. That's why the JP poll looks stupid to some of you. But in reality, it's pretty much aligned as such. I had LSU above Missouri in the JP poll, by the way. Okay, so LSU's defense is horrendous. Uh, good news out of the way for LSU. Defense is abominable. Jesse bet me I wouldn't get that word in the show tonight. I, I agreed with him, so I didn't take the bet, and I'm proud of myself. LSU has allowed four pass catchers to have a 100-plus yard game and one touchdown games this year. They had two of them last week. Ole Miss had two guys. Trey Harris and Evan Watkins both went over 100 in a touchdown last week. Their pass defense, this is rough now. We should have put this in the Sunday show. LSU's pass defense has allowed 13 touchdowns through five games. 13 through five games. They gave up 17 in 14 games last year. Things have gone downhill quickly. 
And here's the worst news of all. Missouri has Luther Burden. Luther Burden has four straight games with 100 yards receiving, and they don't have a close second there. So you may think to yourself, oh, that's cool. We'll just bracket Luther Burden. Well, it seems LSU has tried this tactic, and it's just not working because they're not good enough. And I don't think they'll be good enough Saturday unless something radical changes. So Brady Cook, quarterback there at Missouri, does he keep it up? Immunity? If he keeps up the streak he's got going on right now, Missouri's got an excellent shot to win this game outright. Listen to this number. Brady Cook, quarterback for Missouri, 348 consecutive passes without a pick. That is the fifth longest streak in FBS history. That's ball security. That's taking care of the ball and making sure that they beat you instead of you beating yourself. I think LSU's offense will show up. I don't have any doubt about that. It's just, is it another situation where you have to score 50 or 55 or whatever it was last week to win? They can throw the ball this week. They can run the ball this week. They should be very, very balanced statistically. But ultimately, folks just have to step up. It's a pride game for LSU. Pride. You, you have long since gotten past the point where your stats will look palatable this year. you got to play for pride if you play in that LSU secondary, if you're a defender for LSU, period. Uh, Colin, let's take a look at what the model thinks. Vegas right now, and this number's come down. Vegas is LSU minus four and a half right now. The model thinks LSU is going to win and cover. Uh, LSU minus six. And earlier today, I was just dead set against that. I was going to pick Missouri. I think that LSU will have a little bit of an inspired performance. It will not be pretty or clean defensively. But I think those guys will at least play aggressively enough where maybe they do force some mistakes. I think LSU is actually going to find a way to win and cover. But you know what I would really like in this? And I should have gotten on it earlier in the week. I think the over was the right play. And it was in the upper 50s. And we did not get on it. And my apologies. But I like LSU to win and cover. As you can tell, not a lot of confidence. It's not just allergies that are making the eyes water a little bit. It's, it's me picking LSU after what I watched last week. But you know what? I picked against them last week and they lost. Perhaps I am what LSU needs. Again, remember. Just remember, I want the credit if it goes right. I have no interest in the blame if it goes wrong. Academy Sports and Outdoors has interest in you. They want you to come inside their store. They don't really need to beg you to buy anything. They don't have to. Because when you walk in there, it'll take care of itself. I know. It worked on me. I went in there. This show is free of charge to you tonight and every night because of Academy Sports and Outdoors. Uh, they are your one-stop shop for all outdoor sporting goods supplies and then some. Big League Chew in the checkout line, of course. One of my favorite traditions now is when you guys go there and you send me either a testimonial or a picture of the receipt, it seems like no viewer of our show can go into an academy without grabbing some Big League Chew in the checkout line. I picture somewhere at Big League Chew headquarters because I don't picture Big League Chew being owned by a corporation. It's just an individual entity. I picture them looking at their P&L and their margins and all of a sudden there's this massive uptick at Academy Sports and Outdoors locations and they have no idea why. We know why. If you cannot get to Academy in person, academy.com has your hookup. You guys need tailgating accessories. You need grills. You need canopies. You need chairs. You need something to throw around on the quad before the game. Academy Sports and Outdoors got you covered. I, I, I did not look forward to this part in the show. Not the Academy part. I always look forward to that. But this next part, 
I think it's going to still be breaking news to some of you because you have, you have jobs, you have lives to live. You probably weren't glued to the internet today. I've never needed a sip from the chalice more, so just hold on a second. Yeah, two big gulps there. So, Colin, I'll tell you what, just in point at all, we can use all this. Taz Walker is eligible to play for North Carolina. I don't know how. I don't know why. Well, I don't know the real reasons. I know why the NCAA says he's eligible now. This was the kid who once upon a time transferred from a place where they never even played because of COVID, and he went to Kent State and ended up shining at Kent State and then wanted to transfer to North Carolina and did so a couple of days before the NCAA beefed up their transfer rules, and then they retroactively applied those rigid new rules to this kid, even though even with the rigid rules, he should have been eligible because he only played at one school, and they just said he's ineligible. And it took forever, and it was a joke. It was a joke at the time. It was a complete travesty of justice. I don't think I've ever used that phrase on this show because normally talking about college football it does not include things that rise to the level of needing to talk about a travesty of justice or a miscarriage of justice. It literally was with him. Except today, the NCAA reversed course. And they said, no, oh, Tez Walker's eligible. I want you to listen to this. You're going to think I'm joking. You're going to think I'm making this up. I am not. I had Jesse print this out so you can make sure. Look, this is not my handwriting. There it is, Colin. It's not my handwriting. This right here is official hot off the presses from Indianapolis, Indiana. Quote, I may throw up. Colin, just keep rolling if I start looking like I'm going to throw up. It is unfortunate that North Carolina failed to provide important information previously. While we must be careful not to compromise a student-athlete's right to privacy when it comes to sensitive issues, we want to assure the D1 membership and everyone watching how the new transfer rules are applied that this meets the new transfer waiver standards. Here's my favorite part. North Carolina's behavior and decision to wage a public relations campaign is inappropriate and out of bounds of the process North Carolina's own staff supported. I'll beat that down like the pinata it is in a second. Oh, we continue. Had the North Carolina staff not behaved in this fashion and submitted this information weeks ago, this entire unfortunate episode could have been avoided. The people who put that garbage statement together actually shamed an institution for waging a PR campaign. This right here is the result of a focus group of nameless, faceless bureaucrat PR types. That's what this is. You hear that if you're listening on podcast. This statement is not worth the paper we printed it on tonight. It is garbage. These people's decision was garbage at the outset. They're not pissed that information was left out. They're not, because any institution that looks out for the betterment of student-athletes worth its salt would have gone and sought the information. But that's not what they're about. The NCAA, the NCAA basically has two things left going for it. Okay, The one thing they have going for them is those four letters that meant something 20 years ago. And they can fool some people into thinking they still yield some sort of power, wield some sort of power. Number two, the NCAA has a handful of reporters that are still willing to carry water for them and serve as a de facto mouthpiece 
And it was on full display today. That's the way that that message got disseminated. And it's kind of gross. I've never been more honored than when the NCAA puts out a statement and it doesn't arrive in my inbox because I know I'm not one of those folks. It Trust me, that is a badge of honor you should wear in this industry. These people have no talent. They have no skill. They have no value. They're not out to solve problems. It's in their best interest to create problems because if they solve the problems, their jobs would evaporate. There's no need for them. Basically, every issue you have with modern-day politics and politicians, just copy and paste and insert here and, you know, change a few institution names and player names, and that's it. The problems you have with politics are the same problems you got with the NCAA. Whether you know it or not, that's true. I want to read this one more time for you. This part right here is what just throws me for a loop. North Carolina's behavior and decision to wage a PR campaign is inappropriate and outside the bounds of the process UNC's own staff supported. These people are looking to cause problems. This statement is a perfect example of that. I spelled this out for you two months ago, and I'm going to spell it out once more. These folks want you to be dumb enough to start on chapter five of the book. Chapter five looks like this. The transfer portal's out of control, NIL's out of control, and member institutions, including North Carolina, including Mac Brown, beg the NCAA to do something. That's where they want you to think the story starts. Okay, so then they want you to believe they adhered to the requests of the North Carolinas of the world, and they put forth more stringent requirements to merit a transfer waiver. And then Tez Walker tries to transfer, and the NCAA denies it, and we're only doing what you guys asked us to do. That's called PR. That's called public relations damage control, because what they don't want you to remember is there the reason for the mess to begin with. North Carolina didn't beg for an overhaul in the transfer portal rules. They didn't beg for the one-time transfer to all of a sudden be legal, no consequence. Mac Brown never asked for that. They don't want you to remember that part of the story. They just want you to remember the mess was there. It was like Big Bang. It's always there. And then they came in at the behest of North Carolina and the like, and we fixed it. Don't be mad at us for fixing the mess. I'm not mad at you for fixing the mess. I'm mad at you for making the mess. I do not watch you spill spaghetti all over the floor, and then you clean up the spaghetti and look at me and say, where's my reward? You made the mess, fool. Of course you should have cleaned it up. Also, the NCAA has always kind of been like a pinata, just swinging from the ceiling. Good on NCAA for swinging. They won't be the last ones to swing, nor was Tez Walker the last kid whose eligibility was just in limbo for no reason other than losers at the NCAA will not take it upon themselves to carry out the, the whatever they want to call it, mission statement of that organization, which is the betterment and well-being of student athletes. Well, there are other names out there. There's still several other names who are currently not able to play college football. Tez Walker missed four games. It's like you'll never get that back. Are they going to grant him another year of eligibility? What if he doesn't want it? What if he goes and plays pro ball? You're talking about changing guys' lives on a whim, on technicality. Uh, you didn't dot this I, you didn't cross this T. Or, and there's, here, there's a wild theory I want to float here, maybe no important information was left out. Maybe you got called by people who can match wits with your legal minds, and you realize, uh-oh, the side of our pants are wet all of a sudden. It's not raining. What is that? Oh, we know what that is. 
That's the feeling when we know we've been caught. So instead of apologizing, instead of being adults, dealing with an unemployed kid, that's not an employee, by the way, that's just a football player at a college, we're not going to apologize. We're going to tell them, oh, you should have gotten it right the first time. In in no merit-based world do any of these people have jobs. No merit-based world. But this is not a meritocracy. The, the, the way that they hire and place at NCAA headquarters is not merit-based. I can promise you that. You and me are on the street if we operate like that, as we should be. With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy-on, easy-off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com socks. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, next up, let's just shift to happier times, please. You know, the Big Ten schedule got released today. Whoo! Damon hit me up and said, you got thoughts on these Big Ten schedules? Yes, I do, Damon. Yes, I do. Let me ask you a question. Anyone out there right now, how many Michigan games have you watched? Unless you're a Michigan fan, the answer is probably very few, if any, because they've got a soft schedule this year. Well, the Galaxy... The universe took notice, and it said, "Uh uh-uh, not in 2024. I am not going to go as far as to claim that the sport is rigged against Michigan in 2024. I'm just telling you, they play Ohio State, Washington, Oregon, USC, and Texas in the same year. And for those interested, I didn't know this, Associate Bradley recited these rankings off the top of his head. Michigan next year plays the current number four, number seven, number eight, number nine, and number three teams in the country. So there's that for Michigan. I I guess Jim Harbaugh is still there. I don't know if we're going to do that thing every winter where we see whether he's going to the NFL. I don't know if J.J. McCarthy is still going to be there. Uh, My advice to Michigan is win the whole thing this year. Because I have no clue how you go better than 9-3, and three, maybe 10-2 and two next year. We'll see. We move on. Oh, by the way, we do have protected rivalries. Uh, Colin, could you, take, could you take 3A for me right quick? So I was very concerned when the Big Ten started talking about shifting and started talking about adding to the conference and started talking about revamping their schedule. I was concerned about that guy right there. If you're listening on podcast, I'm pointing towards Floyd of Rosedale, the Floyd of excellence, as we call him in the studio. But I have great news, and I am prepared to let the world know tonight, Iowa versus Minnesota is a protected rivalry. The Floyd lives not only in our hearts, but right there on the field every year. Illinois Northwestern, still there. 
Oh, thank the Lord. Indiana, Purdue, yes. Iowa, Nebraska, yes. A lot of these things most of you don't care about, but Iowa, Minnesota, as, as a youth from Harris County, Georgia, naturally I gravitated towards Iowa, Minnesota, and Florida Rosedale. Okay, we move on. Uh, USC, welcome to the Big Ten, man. So USC, if any of you are concerned about the softness of their schedule, worry no more. Just in conference play next year, Penn State, Michigan, Wisconsin, and then they got Washington and UCLA. And by the way, they play Notre Dame every year. And doubly, by the way, they're just going to play LSU for good measure. That's right. LSU versus USC to start next year in Las Vegas on top of Penn State and Michigan and Washington. So there, there that is. Have fun, Lincoln Riley. Travel's going to be off the charts insane here. No, we, we knew this. We had to know this was coming. But man, oh man, listen to this. The travel for some of these West Coast teams is wild. Washington next year will play at Indiana, at Iowa, at Rutgers and at Penn State. Just those four games, just those four road trips, total 4,400 miles round trip, 3,600 miles round trip, 5,600 miles round trip, 5,200 miles round trip, 10, 11, 12, 13. That's like 17 or 18,000 miles round trip just on four road games in conference. But they have planes, so I'm sure it has no effect at all. Um, go fly cross country and then try and compete at the highest physical level. Exert yourself physically at as high a level as you ever have. And then go home and then do the same thing uh, three or four days the next week. And then go do it all over again. You tell me how you In fact, don't do any of that. If you're 18 years old, just fly from Seattle to Bloomington, Indiana, and just go jog around a park and let me know how you feel. They're going to go play football games doing that. Also, I couldn't help but notice they didn't just release the 2024 schedule. Jesse, how far did they go to 2028? I think it was, which is brilliant because there is approximately 0.01% chance the Big Ten doesn't expand again by then. It's like the Roman Empire at its height. Map makers were the busiest people in the world because they'd have to update the map of the Roman Empire every 45 minutes because they'd go conquer some third world country, and oh, we expanded again. Hail Caesar. Well, right now it's kind of like hail Tony Petiti, because at any moment we could have breaking news that the Big Ten's all of a sudden expanded again. You never know it's coming until it's already there. And so I have no interest in what the 2028 Big Ten schedule looks like, because that's not going to be what the Big Ten schedule actually is in 2028. We move on. I've got Ramen Noodle Express picks. Cole Kublik is in the on-deck circle. He's stretching right over there. He's stretching right now. Firstly, firstly, I want to tell you what we're thinking about doing next Thursday. And I'm 95% sure we're going to do this. I don't like preseason predictions because they're very hard to do. And I want to do the easy stuff because it makes you look better when you're right. So naturally, I want to do a re-prediction special next Thursday. And that's where I reserve the right. If you read the fine print in the preseason prediction show, you know I reserve the right to change my picks. It may seem unethical, but we don't care. So I want to do a re-prediction show next Thursday, and I think we're going to do it. I don't know if we have to get clearance from management. I don't know if the CBS legal team has to sign off on this. Maybe the morality clause in my contract kicks in. But if we get all the boxes checked, next Thursday, re-prediction special. 
In the meantime, let's talk about best bets. We already had four of them on the board. I'm adding two more games tonight. So we're on Louisville plus seven. We're on Texas Tech plus one, Arizona plus 21 and a half, and Kent State plus 26 and a half. I finally got UCLA to drop to three. UCLA is laying three points against Washington State. We are taking the Bruins, and I'm actually going to do this. I'm going to take real money that I earned, and I'm going to bet it on Oklahoma State plus 11 and a half on a Friday night, no less, against Kansas State. I cannot believe how many people are shaking their heads right now simultaneously, but Oklahoma State plus 11 and a half, UCLA minus three to go along with Kent State plus 26 and a half, Arizona plus 21 and a half, Texas Tech plus one, Louisville plus seven. They're not locks, people, but lock it in. Ramen Noodle Express now in the rear view. Cole Cuts, our dear, close personal acquaintance, if not outright friend, Cole Kublik joins us every Thursday here on Late Kick. Sir, how are you, by the way? How are you, sir? How are you today? I am great. I'm fantastic. I'm excited for another magical weekend of college football. I just, I think it's been a great season so far, and I think there's so many things that we don't know yet, and I can't wait to figure them out. Can't right. wait to get answers. Or at least pretend that we know them. Like, for example, let me hit you with a little brain teaser here. Uh, true or false, okay. the winner of Alabama-Texas A&M plays for the SEC championship. Absolutely. Uh, honest, because if Ole Miss were to go to Atlanta, they would need Alabama to lose twice. Yep. And I just I don't know if I see that taking place. Uh, and then Ole Miss just having a clear shot through the rest of the schedule. I mean, they still have to go to Georgia, which I actually think was one of the matchups that you and I talked about at the beginning of the season that we didn't really think it would be as fun as it could because Ole Miss would be pretty beat up. Now, it almost looks like that may be happening in reverse where they were beat up and then they're going to get healthy and there may be some real intrigue to what they can do to that Georgia defense. Still have A&M as well. So... Uh, yeah, I think I think the winner of A&M, Alabama in the driver's seat, uh, especially now because we looked at that last game of the year for A&M is like, whoo, LSU, that offense. I just, uh, now we probably think A&M be able to move the football a little bit against that group. Yeah, I'm wholeheartedly yes on this. I ended up picking A&M really, really slight. No money on it or anything like that for me. Uh, matchup, I think, favors Bama. We can talk about that in a second. Or favors A&M, but we can talk about that in a second. But... I do want to offer the caveat, and if Bama does win this game, this is the part of the show that I will have Colin and Jesse replay Sunday, not the part where I picked A&M. Um, I think if Bama wins this game, they won't lose the rest of the way. I think this is the toughest matchup they have remaining. It's not the highest ranked opponent, maybe not. I don't even know. I don't look at the AP. Uh, the JP, though, for the record, has A&M at number 12 right now. I believe... They feel like, um, let me put it in meteorological terms so everyone can relate. You know how sometimes there's a low pressure, a tropical storm in the Caribbean. Sometimes it gets chopped up yeah, by the mountains there. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Um, but, but if it doesn't get sheared apart by the mountainous terrain down there in Cuba and the like, and it gets out into the Gulf of Mexico, that's when you get your Jim Cantores. That's when you get your James Spans, and they start sounding the alarm, and you see live crews all along the Gulf Coast because they know a disaster is imminent. That is basically Alabama to me. You need to, you need to go full crowbar to the shins right now. Take them out while you can because if you let them get past Texas A&M, 
and w- which to me is the most physical test left on their schedule till ironically Kentucky, I think. If you let them get their you-know-what together, they could end up being a problem that they otherwise wouldn't be if they had two losses. So I, I think this is, Nick Saban always likes to talk about the midterm final exam. For a lot of that team, this is their final exam. Because if they don't pass this weekend, it doesn't matter by their own standard what they do the rest of the way. Um, do you, like, when, when you look at that game, by the way, I talked about it ad nauseum on the Tuesday night show. How do you think that thing matches up? So you're saying that if Alabama wins this game, the rest of the West should go ahead and evacuate and just board up the windows yes, and go just, ahead and just get out, get out of town? Just wave the white paper, yes. Okay, got it. Yeah, and it's you pretend like people don't listen to your show. There is one bone that I have to pick with you from the Tuesday show. I believe you said on that show that this is the most difficult environment that Alabama will play in the rest of the way through the season? I believe that, yeah. And you are just... Where on Saturday? I know where I was. I'm just saying I think the stakes in this game and the true belief that A&M can win. I don't think Auburn, by the end of the year, will believe they can win that game. I knew what I was saying. I get it. And maybe, maybe in the Iron Bowl of basketball, it will be tough for them down there this year. But I, I, thing, I think in the Iron Bowl of football, and that's, a, that's our own segment we're going to do in November, by the way, Iron Bowl of fill in the blank. <laughs> but in the Iron Bowl of football this year, yeah, I think this is as tough as it's going to get for them this year. I just made an Auburn hype video in November. I know what I just did. Okay. Yeah. All right, so let's, I want to I wanna stay with this game. And I, I have a question because there's a portion of this game that I think people are ignoring. And it showed up like the spotlight was on it last weekend for Texas A&M. And people have just completely blown past it. Which quarterback do you trust the most in this game and why? Not who's the best, not who has the better cast. I just want to know which individual between Jalen Milrow, Max Johnson, you trust the most and why? I trust Jalen Milrow more. I trust him because unlike uh, early in the season, I think they have schooled him enough to where he understands throwing the ball five rows into the stands is a pretty good play and a pretty good decision. I think he trusts his legs. I think the whole live to play another down if the drive ends in a kick, yada, yada, yada thing. I think that's set in for him. I also think if they have any time to throw, A&M 30 yards or more in the air is vulnerable. And so to me, the throwaway with him could also be just throw it as far as I possibly can. And if my receiver happens to get under the ball, that's great. But by and large, we're we're not really high risk. We're high reward, low risk on that throw. With Max Johnson, I think they're going to put the game on his shoulders. I don't think that staff is scared, let me say that, to put the game on his shoulders. Sometimes with him, I worry about the processing speed. Just a hair, worry about the processing speed, and I worry that this game this week is faster for him than anything he's faced so far. So I think I favor Milrow, although if you put the, you know, the arm talent versus arm talent, I don't think many people would go Milrow. Arm talent, you know what I mean when I say that. The last guy you just saw in your highlight clip right there, not the one catching the football, the one that was running the ball before. See, I, I agree with what you say about this staff potentially putting it in Max's hands. I think it's time to feed Le'Veon Moss mm. because I saw things from him in that Arkansas game that showed me he could be a legitimate feature back in the SEC. So if you have that, a pretty good offensive line, a good group of tight ends, receivers that you could take your shot plays with down the field off play action later, 
why do you put the ball in the hands of a kid that fumbled it and lost them both twice last week and threw a pick and has 13 fumbles and seven interceptions over the last two seasons? That's the part of Max's game that I'm concerned about. And when I talk about protecting the football, I roll into that protecting himself as well. Keep in mind, Josh, we're on quarterback two now. And you may be quarterback one at the present time, but when or if you were to go out, now we go quarterback three, which most people in College Station probably couldn't even tell you who that is. So for the season, you must protect yourself in a better fashion. And obviously to win this game, you must protect the football in a better fashion. And if the winner of this game is going to go win the West, then for your season, you have to protect the football as well. So I have a little bit of trust issue with how Max Johnson protects himself and the football. If he keeps it clean, I think A&M wins the game. Do you have a you have a model for that? Can you project turnovers for me? Um, yeah, the model would be uh, about nine glass eaters that are going to be playing along the defensive line for Texas A&M, two or three for Alabama. Each team will probably turn it over more than once. Okay. All right. So back to square one. To change directions entirely, I saw a graphic put out the other day. It wasn't by us, I don't think. Um, but I saw a graphic put out the other day, and it was just listing the, the highest paid coaches in America. And so I know this has been a topic forever, the whole what's the best job in the country thing, but that's always using this, this static list of criteria. Let's remove the list. Let's talk about you and me here, Cole Kublik, Josh Pate, our own personal opinion, what we factor, what we value, what we don't care about. What do you think is the best situation in America? If you could just move one guy out of his job and you take over and you've got his salary, his office, his roster, like everything he has, but also the massive plate of issues and drama relative to his particular situation, whose spot would you want? Uh, okay, well, you asked it a little bit different than what I would have expected because if you would just ask best situation – I don't think that's a job that I necessarily want or would take or would move other person and go take that seat. Best situation would probably be like a Mark Stoops or a Kalen DeBoer. Yep. Uh, that would, and, and I think you could win a national championship at Washington. I'm not necessarily sure that you can at Kentucky. So everybody that says Mark has the best job in America, I don't think it's far off from that, but I also think it depends on what you want, what your end game is. If you're putting me in that position and I'm going to go deal with NIL, and I'm going to deal with the portal, and then I'm going to deal with regular recruiting and all this other stuff that goes with it, I want to win a national championship. Like That's going to be the only really trade-off. Even the $8, 9 10 $11 million check is not going to be enough. I need a title. I need a ring. I need to walk around for the rest of my life saying I did that. So put me in Austin, Texas, uh, because I think the all-encompassing of what you're going to get there, the celebrity prowess, the brand, the image, what it is when I walk into any high school locker room, any high school head coach's office, any living room in any part of the country, they're going to know what that means. Like they're going to get it. They know exactly what we're talking about. They know the color of the shirt when I walk in. I don't have to sell them on Austin, Texas. It's a town that offers, whether it's the big city, the lake, whatever. I got McConaughey coming in there. We can hang out. I got Bevo, the mascot that everybody's going to love. The NIL program is obviously second to none. I got guys driving Lamborghinis, for God's sake. I think we're going to be okay when it comes to NIL. And I know for a fact that my school can win a national championship. We've done it in recent memory. Well, depending how old you are, recent memory, not a lot for a lot of high school kids. But I can go show you high-definition footage of Texas winning a national championship. We don't need Jefferson Pilot dirty windshield footage of you winning a national championship. So. Yes, it would be hot as hell in the summer. 
Um, yes, I'm going to have to stiff arm a lot of the boosters, but see, here's where I think I differentiate myself from a lot of coaches. My first hire is an FU coach. I don't care about my coordinator. I don't care about O coordinator, D coordinator system that I run, anything like that. I'm going to get the best FU coach money can buy. And that's going to be the guy that can walk in my office and say, Hey man, don't do that again. Or when I walk out of a press conference, he pulls me into the next office down the hall and says, you can't say that anymore. Stop it. Stop it right now. And it's going to be someone that I listen to that knows football, that knows the all-encompassing game, that knows what our goals are, that I'm not going to get my feelings hurt if he tries to tell me I'm being a dummy. And that person is going to be standing next to me every step of the way. Now, it could probably be my wife. She'd probably be pretty good at it. I just don't know if she knows the recruiting college football side of it. But someone who can speak to me that way that also understands the college football world. I got a couple ideas who it might be. You're way too nice for that. Mm. Uh, but a couple other guys that I think could come in there and fill that void. You know, you, always, you also got to have a little muscle. See, you, you've got to work on softening your edges. You got too sharp an edge right now. You would play horribly in the public arena. You just would. You wouldn't even talk to Colin at the Tennessee game the other night. I got the reports back. I know you didn't say hey to him. And so I can't have that as my head coach. I've got to have someone who softens the edges of Cole Kubelik a little bit. I, I, I'm thinking while you're talking, because I had an answer in my head. I was going to do Kentucky. I was going to do Stoops. Because he makes $9 million a year. He is a top 10 salary guy with reasonable expectations around him. But the more I think about it... And Lexington is amazing, yeah, by the way. Yeah, yeah. And so I, man, I'm going to stretch on it because we're showing B-roll of Kroger Field and we don't get to do it a lot. And that's my fault. If I want comfort of life, if I want maximum salary, if I also want to have a rabid fan base behind me, but also have them understand that if we don't go 10 and 2 this year, it's not the end of the world. That's the place. And also, after I've been there a few years, if I do want to level up, I've got enough resources there to keep myself competitive enough to where I can have my name out on the market any given year. But I was thinking as you were talking, okay, where can I go to get top 10 salary? So be really competitive nationally. Where can I get elite athletes? I don't have to take backseat to Alabama or Georgia or anything like that. Um, where are they all in? Where are the facilities really good? But also, where's a place where whatever the local media infrastructure feels like it's still kind of closed off from the rest of America? I think, uh, I think Dabo's got that job. I think Clemson is that job. Clemson's really up there on all of those metrics, but for whatever reason, you don't hear about a lot of the drama over there. It's still really closed off. If someone sneezes the wrong way at Georgia, it's plastered all over the AJC, which then gets blasted all over the country. That doesn't really happen at Clemson. And if I go there, I'm going to use the portal, unlike the guy there now. Um, no offense, I'm just, I'm just thinking on a different wavelength. So I think it may be Clemson, because what, what kind of heat, think about this, what kind of heat has Dabo Swinney encountered recently that wasn't his own doing? Like, he could, he could dissolve all this criticism about the portal tomorrow if he wanted to, just by dipping into the portal a time or two. I actually think I would take the Clemson situation. I, I feel you on Texas, totally feel you on Texas, but I don't know. I think I would take Clemson. I think I can do everything I want to yeah, do see, there. I, 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 I want a, I want a rocket launcher when we're going to go after this. Like I want I want a tank. Like I, I want an, an entire aircraft carrier to go to battle with. Like you're you're walking in with a switchblade. That's cool. I mean, I, good luck to you. Like I want every single bit of ammunition possible. I want hand grenades. I want flamethrowers. I want 
chainsaws. I want all of it. And I know I'm going to have every bit of it in Austin, Texas, because if I don't have it, they're going to go buy it. Yeah. No matter where it is or what it costs or how I need to get it, we're going to figure it out. We're going to find it. And once again, that's where my FU coach comes in. If I'm not being nice enough, he sits me down. He says, hey, man, go smile a little bit more. All right. The people think you're mean. We need to put a smile on your face. If, I, if he says, hey, you need hair transplants in this offseason. You know what? We probably got the best hair transplant guy in America in Austin, Texas. If not, we'll fly him in from L.A. and we'll do it there. Like what, Whatever that is, we'll figure it out because I know I've got every resource possible and we're going to be able to get that done. So I don't, I don't know if Clemson's going those miles. And by the way, it's been proven with multiple guys at Texas that you can get that done. There's really been one and a half guys at Clemson that's shown that they can go do that. Yeah. Also, parentheses, sidebar, I excluded Auburn from this. Because I think I could manage the stuff, even though I know I really couldn't. I think I could try to. But, like, that's the dream job for me. And that's probably the only one my wife would ever let me take. But if I want to go into a national title as quick as possible, it's Texas. It just – it's funny. When you, go, when you go visit head coaches now, more and more, you look at who's in the office next to the head coach. It's not always a coordinator. Sometimes it's, it's, it's names that aren't necessarily at the forefront but are very, very integral parts of those programs. All right, I know that you want to talk about – trust and confidence and maybe trust issues we have in these teams. So hit me. All right. So the, the first thing that I want to ask you is just teams who have sort of oversold this year and which ones you trust the most going forward, because we've got, we have four, no Liberty. We got five and oh Maryland, big one, obviously in the horseshoe this weekend. I mean, hell Jacksonville state wins to get to four and one last night. They can't go to a bowl game, but of the teams that are maybe way past where we thought they would be, I think North Carolina hasn't been where they've been since what, 1987, 19-something? Right. Yeah. I mean, it's been a minute. Which team that has exceeded expectations do you trust the most moving forward? I trust Michigan, but they haven't exceeded expectation. I've got some confidence building with North Carolina right now. They got Tez Walker back today. How about that? Just some undiscovered information. You know, they just they reshuffled the paperwork, submitted it again in the NCAA which forbids anyone else from commenting on ongoing situations, just vomits out new takes. Yep. Hey, so when can us- we get the media firestorm for the tight end at Mississippi State that's not allowed to play this year? Yeah, get him eligible. Like when can, when can we start throwing gas on that fire? And for all the other kids that I can't name because I don't know who they are that weren't eligible, like when can we get all the media, you know, peeing their pants about those guys so they get to play football this year? Like I, I just don't. I can't stand the media. I'm so time, glad. Time I'm so glad we're not a part of it. Oh, gross. So it's more aimed at the NCAA, but yes. I'll, yeah. Okay, so let's go. Let's. I want to hear your team first. And well, North Carolina's won. Also, I am very pleasantly surprised with Missouri because they lost a lot of close games last year. Absolutely. And when they played Kansas State earlier this year, I I went to the game and thought to myself, this is a low point spread game. It's like three and a half, I think, by the time the game kicked off. And I thought the only thing they had going for them was home field. I didn't think they had any other edge over Kansas State. And they just won a football game. It was the most evenly played, clean game, no big turnovers. There was no yeah, but, in other words, at the end of the game. They just won the game. They outplayed them. And so they got LSU this weekend. It's kind of off the national radar. Uh, Kentucky's been surprising to me, not because they're undefeated, but because they just housed Florida, totally pantsed them. And it's, it's a game that wasn't off Florida's radar. Like there was, There's no overlooking. They ran it for half a mile on them. So I would say Missouri. I would say Kentucky. A um, little, little disappointed that Texas what Tech hasn't made any noise. Two? What, about, what about between those two? 
if we just said SEC East, Missouri, Kentucky, because if, I realize it's a big if, so stay out of the comments being mad at me for projecting that this actually is going to happen. Both those teams win. They're playing next weekend. Mm -hmm. I can imagine uh, Tour de Pate State uh, is going to be there if that, if that were to take place. Who do you trust more in the East this year for the rest of the season? Is it Missouri? Is it Kentucky? Kentucky. I trust them more because I have not seen Devin Leary's best ball yet. They're undefeated, and he has been very inconsistent at quarterback, and he's not a true freshman who we're just going off star rating with. We've seen him perform before, and so I think it's there. Like I think a different gear for him is there. This Saturday, by the way, we're going to talk about this game in a second, but this Saturday, I don't think they're going to run the ball in Georgia to win. They can run the ball on him. I don't think they're going to run it to win. I think it's actually on him. So if they were to pull that upset off, it would be because of him. And in that hypothetical world that you irresponsibly threw out there, and Cole Kublik predicted Missouri-Kentucky undefeated next week, by the way, in case you missed that in the comments section, if that happens, Devin Leary has got them there. So in that hypothetical world, it's Missouri, or it's, uh, it's Kentucky. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. Sonic the Hedgehog, a new hero arrives. I am ready. Is there anyone stronger? No. Ha! Tougher? No. Funnier? I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles, now streaming only on Paramount Plus. Yes! Okay. Uh, what about in the SEC? Oh, how about this? Let's add Tennessee to that hmm. because they have a week off to get a little bit healthier. I heard you mention injury to Brew McCoy earlier this week, but with a week off, getting Cooper Mays back at center, they did look different. Of those three SEC East teams, would it still be Kentucky at the top of your list? No. Mm, no, I think I would go Tennessee. I think I would go Tennessee because I think, like you just did their game last week. Do they not look as impressive on both lines of scrimmage as they've looked so far? I think the defensive line is where they're very different, and it's not just the D-line, it's the edge. And they have four, at least three, maybe four guys who can absolutely rip off the edge. And that's where I think they're very different than what they have been. We've had a Tyler Barron out there, and then maybe that's been about it. Now he can move down inside, and you have other guys that are a little bit lighter, a little bit sleeker, a little bit twitchier that can come off the edge. Now, it's a younger South Carolina offensive line that they took advantage of, but we've also saw them do it to Virginia. I don't see why they wouldn't be able to do it to the majority of the teams are going to play down the road. So I'm with you. And, and I don't think – and I, asked, I actually asked Josh Heupel about this. I said, why do you think the misconception is still out there that you guys have to hit seven or eight deep balls a game to be good? And he just laughed. He said, I don't know. He's like, we're going to run the ball. And then if we can't run it, then we'll try to throw it. And if we see matchups that we like, yeah, we'll take some of those shots. we got a guy that can push it down the field, but we don't have to have those to be successful. So I think – Defensive tackle rotation, which just got a little bit, bit deeper last week. They got another one back. The edge rushers that they bring. And then the stability at running back. They had a three-headed monster now with Mays back at center. I think they're going to be a handful down the stretch. You know one team that's about to, in a couple of weeks, that's about to really pop at the forefront. So Jesse's Penn State Nittany Lions go into a bye week right now. 
They've played really good ball. They were close against Northwestern at the half last week. They pulled away and covered. So they're playing really good ball. They've got UMass coming out of the bye week, which is beautifully constructed from a scheduling perspective because they they almost have like one and a half weeks to prep, essentially, for Ohio State. And so I heard Manny Diaz get asked, do you have some thoughts on Ohio State? He goes, I, I got really strong thoughts, and I'm keeping them all to myself. That's the team that no one's watched. No one has watched Penn State. You just asked about Hypel. Why do people think you guys have to throw it? It's simple. People haven't watched Tennessee play. They just check the final score. We, we talked about that when they played Florida. So Penn State, I think, I feel the same way about, and I trust them. I trust them even if they lose against Ohio State because they play the style of ball that's not going to get them blown out. Uh, Aller, they haven't had to stretch the field yet, and so I still think there's a different gear offensively they can hit, and they play really good defense. So that is a pretty complete team that I trust. I love the way they attack on defense. Super aggressive. They fly to the football. They give you a lot of different looks up front, a lot of different pressures up front. Maybe the best left tackle in college football. We know how they can run the football. As you said, they haven't put the game in their quarterback's hands just yet, but they haven't had to. Now, I I get a little concerned about that, kind of like what you said about Devin Leary. I know it's in there, but I also want to know if you can get it back. Now, Penn State situation is a little bit different. We just haven't had to see it yet. I think it's there. I love watching the kid throw the football. He's one of those guys that his arm doesn't move as fast as the football comes out. So you see him throw the ball, you see his arm speed, and you're like, oh, okay, what? And then you see the ball velocity, you're like, wow, how did that just happen? Um, the undisclosed injury at tailback, eh, maybe a little bit concerning. Just not exactly sure what's happening there. But it's not like they don't have a loaded backfield that they can just turn to. So Penn State's one of those multifaceted teams that could get in different style fights and still find ways to be successful. Yeah. So I'm, I'm with you with Penn State the rest of the way. Yeah, Ohio State, same way this year. Really interesting year setting up because you got contenders that just five years ago would have all needed to be scoring 45 or 50 a game because that's where the game was at the present moment. So that's fun. Okay, I want to wrap it up with this with you. Kentucky plays Georgia this weekend, and it's the upset alert game everyone's talking about. I was doing some CBS HQ stuff earlier today, and they asked is Georgia on upset alert? And I said, technically, yes, because Kentucky's a good team. The spread's 14 and a half. Um, it's, it's a top 20 matchup out of nowhere. Like those season ticket holders did not look at this game and think primetime top 20 matchup. But I stood down there in Auburn last week and watched Auburn run it for over 200 through three quarters on Georgia. And of course, the world saw Kentucky run it for, they'd still be running on Florida if time didn't expire. And I think people have just put two and two together and they've said, all right, well, if you ran it like that on Florida, even if you only run it like 80% of that on Georgia, who just gave up a bunch on the ground, you'll be, you'll be maybe able to pull the upset. You correct me if you think I'm wrong here. I don't think they're going to have nearly the success on the ground. A lot of Auburn's ground success was quarterback run. Leary does not run the yeah. ball. He's negative rushing yards this year. And so I got all the respect in the world for Ray Davis. I, I'm just telling you, if you're going to look Georgia in the eye and run it down their throat, hats off to you. I got to see it to believe it. I think Devin Leary's got to win the game. I think they've got to throw the ball to win. He had under 70 passing yards last week. Didn't need any more complimentary game plan. I get it. But man, Georgia gets pushed and they get out of Auburn with a win. Kentucky soars. It gets all the attention on this matchup. I think it's actually a recipe for Georgia to peak and play their best game of the year so far. So I actually don't think it's an upset alert, but I guess by the letter of the definition, it is. How do you see that game? 
I don't. I see it in a very similar fashion, but I don't think Georgia can have their best showing of the year because of what Kentucky can do on defense with J.J. Weaver off the edge, with Deion Walker inside, with the way Trevin Wallace can get sideline to sideline and then be a blitzer if they need him to. They're super aggressive up front. Georgia's got some issues at left guard right now. Both tackles played a little bit too high last week, kind of tiptoed through that game. Now, the attitude will be different this week. They'll be at home. They'll have a little extra momentum. I, I understand that. But on the other side, I'm with you that Devin Leary has to win this game. Because of how Georgia plays coverage, the shot opportunities will be there. And this is the best wide receiver room Kentucky football has ever had, top to bottom from a talent perspective. Now, that group's been inconsistent this year. They haven't made the plays that they're supposed to make. Some of it's been on Devin Leary. Sometimes protection's broken down. Sometimes the ball has been in those receivers' hands and they haven't come up with it. They've got to clean that up if Kentucky has any chance to win this football game. The reason the run game won't be as successful, one, Hugh Freeze and Auburn did a nice job of utilizing Georgia's strengths against them last week. And that is, we know you're hyper-aggressive. We know that your defenders mostly play like a group of wrecking balls. Like, you know the guy on, on He-Man back in the day that had, like, the big iron head on and he would, like, ram man, he would ram through walls? That's how most Georgia defenders play football. I happen to love it. I enjoy watching it. Florida's edge defenders and linebackers, they don't play football that way. And if you watch how they played gap scheme runs last week, it was very eh, indecisive. It was very, eh, should I go down? Should I stay out? I'm not so sure. I'll just... It was a lot of dodgeball, duck, dip, dodge, dive, dip, turn around, not take on blocks, go underneath. That's how Florida played a lot of those plays last week. I promise you, Dumas Johnson, Smell Munden, those guys, they ain't going to play it that way. There was one play Auburn had, and they actually gained yards. They were going away from the student section. They were on the left hash. They ran a little bit of an option play, and it ended up being kind of an end around the left side. In 18 for Georgia – came screaming down the line of scrimmage and literally like Superman dives into the pulling guard. Now he missed him. He kind of whiffed, but he was literally looking to unbuckle his chin strap on the play. And because he missed, they were able to get out in space and gain a few yards. Like That's the mentality that Georgia will bring. And it's the opposite of how Florida played it last week. And so then you get, now we go to more of a zone scheme. Well, if that's the case, then you kind of have to out Georgia, Georgia, if that's how you're going to win. I don't know if they're good enough at running the stretch play right now for that to be as effective. Like Missouri's good enough to do that. That's how they live and die. That's how they make their money. South Carolina's trying to get there, but not quite as good as they want to be with it just yet. Auburn provided options for Georgia to be wrong. Kentucky will have to do that, but they don't have the quarterback really to be able to do that. So I will say Kentucky's better suited to win this game than they have been under Mark Stoops. Part of that is Georgia. Georgia, the last four or five years, they beat you with blunt force trauma. That's how they won. And no one was going to go out blunt force trauma Georgia, specifically Kentucky. Now, Kentucky was one of the teams that were closer to that in the league. They just couldn't do it. But they are more athletic. They have more big play potential. It's just how they play defense is not going to fit in to be able to allow Kentucky to operate on the ground the way that they did last week. I just love that as soon as the dust settled last Saturday, the iJosh starts going crazy. And it's a bunch of my buddies, some of whom live in states where it is legal to bet on these things, and they started saying, Kentucky's taking down Georgia next week. Okay, so then the sun rises the next day, the lines start to come out, and Vegas looks at them and says, oh, really? 
How about this? We'll actually give you 14 and a half points with that outright upset. You got to feel ultra confident, don't you? I told every one of them, send me your bet slip. Show me the paycheck you're betting on this game. Hadn't gotten one back. I think they're sending an SMS text message because I have not gotten one back yet. All right, tell the people where they can find you and where are you going to be this weekend? You in Oxford? Did I hear that right? I'm going to be in Oxford. Yeah, I'm in the booth with Tom Hart this weekend. Looking forward to seeing. I thought Lane had an absolute brilliant plan last week against LSU. It wasn't just guys missing tackles. It wasn't just bad angles. I'm excited to see how they kind of add to it again this week. They're back being close to full strength as far as guys they have on the perimeter. I'll be there. And then I'll be up in Charlotte. And then I'll be uh, in Miami for UTEP at FIU next Wednesday night. So, yeah, we're just going to make the world tour here over the next two weeks. And you've got a YouTube channel, right? Tell me about that. It's at CubeShow61 on YouTube. Uh, We are approaching 6,000 subscribers, which would put us 296,000 subscribers behind you. Right. So we are slowly trying to claw our way up to the Pate State level it's just going to take us a decade or so. We're building this thing. We, we just got to FCS. So now we're trying to get up to the Power Five. I remember my first 6,000 like it was yesterday. Cole Kublik, thank you as always, sir. Thank you. Make sure you people go subscribe. Cube Show. It's really good stuff. You know I wouldn't tell you to go if it wasn't uh, because we're pretty selfish about those subs. So we want them all for ourselves, but we also want good work to be rewarded. And, and... You guys always complain to me, and not all of you. Some of you complain to me that you don't like the college football ecosystem, like you don't like the way some of the national types talk about the sport. Well, I don't either. I agree with you. That's why I started this show. Well, that dude is kind of the same way. Maybe he didn't like it either. Maybe he thought some of the commentary out there was real low-hanging fruit, so he goes and starts one. I think he does really good work. So I, I don't try and hoard up all the the likes and the follows. I want an entire little subculture of smart college football talk that over the long term becomes mainstream and you get a tail wagging the dog situation. The only way to do that is to make sure you view things that you want to reward and subscribe to the channels that you want to flourish. And he didn't even pay me to say that. I don't know. Maybe we'll bill him on the back end. But I appreciate you guys watching. Enjoy the games Saturday. Make sure you're following on Instagram at Late Kick Josh. Friday Night Lines will emanate live from Dallas, Texas tomorrow night. I forgot where I'm staying. Probably somewhere close to the airport. Looking forward to the Red River Shootout Saturday. And I'll have a ton of great behind-the-scenes content. It will be a Cotton Bowl propaganda account on Saturday. Looking forward to that. Until then... For Director Colin, for Producer Jesse, Bradley the Associate, Cole Kublik, I'm Josh Pate. Thanks for joining. Take care. Have a great weekend. We'll see you back here Sunday night. Until then, God bless. The chilling new original docuseries on Paramount+. Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean in a woman named Sylvie. She's a can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and fifteen thousand dollars a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control all desire. Now streaming on Paramount Plus.